are listening to Venerable Voices. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, all you good people. Thanks for joining another episode of Venerable Voices. I am Cindy Kellogg, your host, and today I have the wonderful opportunity to chat with a longtime friend, actually um, first meeting Rich Barrows over 20 years ago. Uh, Rich is the director of the Denver Broncos Boys and Girls Club. And he and I first met when we were working together to open up the doors for that very special club, which is in the northeast part of the Denver metropolitan area in the Montbello community. Rich is indeed a human angel. There is no other way to describe him. And I've watched his impact uh, on young people year in and year out. And he is an extraordinary gift to this community. I'm really excited for all of you to hear his story today. He is a lifelong, committed, passionate leader in the Boys and Girls Club of America system. And we are so much better for having him in our community. Our young people are so much better off having him in their lives. So without further ado, my conversation with a dear friend and champion in our community, Rich Barrows. All right, Mr. Rich, one of my favorite people. In fact, my coin name for you is the human angel walking around on earth. I've, I've described you in that way uh, pretty much since, since the time you and I met nearly 20 years ago. So I am really so honored um, that you've taken time to join the Venerable Voices stage today. And I can't wait for the greater world who hasn't had the opportunity yet to hear just the amazing impact you've had on, on those who are fortunate enough to know you, but also just on our world, which is something we so desperately need right now. So welcome, my dear friend. Thank you so much for um, speaking with me today. And I'll do my very best every day. I try to live up to that very lofty title that you've given me. And um, it just makes me smile. And you know, I love you. And I love all the work that you do in our, our community. Well, Rich, you, you seriously are a human angel. And that said, I think where I'd like to start, if this works for you, is just how, how did you arrive where you are today, giving so much of your soul, and it is your soul, to these young people you've impacted for so many years in so many clubs around the country. And could you just talk a little bit about how you landed here? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I have to. I have to laugh because I think I, I truly believe that um, I was prepared for this beautiful, exceptional role here with these exceptional youth at the Bronco Boys and Girls Club um, through. And that path was um, chosen for me. I didn't really choose it myself. I mean, I was the oldest of 11 kids. My sisters went to the girls club. I went to the boys club. Um, they kicked me out for being a fool one night when I was 14 at the, uh, the boys club and even had to call the police on me. And I was really headed down a very, um, a, not a very good path. Um, and so the boys club at that time and a couple of caring folks um, believed in me. Um, two years after kicking me out of the club, they hired me in 1976 to be the assistant PE director and supervise 
seven other young folks when I was 16 years old. Um, I was one of the boys of the year in that boys club in Rapid City, South Dakota. It was mostly native and mixed race kids. Um, but what's beautiful is I still have a very close relationship with some of those native boys that I grew up with and learned all about boys club and sports and really um, how impactful um, a few caring people access to opportunity and a little bit of encouragement. I mean, they helped me get a civil engineering degree from South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. Um, and basically going through some of those struggles as a young person helped prepare me and have a, a real understanding of some of the barriers and some of the missed opportunities that some of our youth um, don't have access to. And so I went from being a assistant PE all the way through high school, college, had four civil engineers that wanted to hire me on our boys club board at the time, but I chose rather to do what I enjoyed getting up and doing every day. And that is interacting with these exceptional children, helping them um, make better choices, maybe help with some behavior guidance, and more importantly, opportunity Opportunity is the currency of Boys and Girls Club and has been for a long time. And so I worked there until 1988, decided I was gonna be in the same position for probably 20 years, and which, which is funny, my assistant, one of my guys that I supervised in 1976, in 1988, he took over for me and he's still kind of in that same position now in 2021 in Rapid City. Um, but I ended up going to a club that was all African-American. All the staff were African-American. I volunteered for two weeks in Fort Lauderdale. They hired me. I worked five years down in Fort Lauderdale, then two years in Pueblo in a mostly Hispanic boys and girls club in a housing projects, seven years in Colorado Springs in a um, club on the west side of Colorado Springs. Then I just started I, two years here in North Denver and was given this tremendous opportunity. And I still remember our first meeting, Cindy. We, they had to give a tour to my wife for her, her to um, understand the, how cool the opportunity was in Montbello. So um, Steve Martinez, who's the director of the Owen Club now, he gave my wife and I a tour. And my wife goes, oh my goodness, you see so much potential here, don't you? And I said, absolutely, that old building, that might be a teen center in the future. And I said, we, I could just pack this place full of kids. And by golly, about a week after that, you and I were sitting in a circle in this dirty, dusty old Montbello Rec Center that they gave us for 10 bucks a year for 50 years. And you and I had the same vision that we could pack it full of kids. They would have so many opportunities in technology, in education, in sports, in art, and they would be able to um, excel and show how exceptional they are. And oh my goodness, um, here we are now, almost 19 years later, Cindy. Isn't that crazy, Rich? How fast, number one, how fast time goes, but it does feel like it was just <laughs> yesterday that you and I were painting the outside of the building, trying to get it ready for the opening of the doors and to hear what we hoped would be all of the wonderful sounds of young people in that neighborhood accessing all the amazing programming that you do. Mm -hmm.
I think back to, and I mean, I obviously have had the opportunity to hear a lot about your past story, just as our friendship over the years has evolved. But one of the things that struck me as you were just sort of putting it in a nice package just now was all, all of the kids that you've seen grow up to be young adults over, you know, years <laughs> and years and years. And, and that's, I just think that's incredible. And I know this is going to be a tough question because it's probably hard to, to narrow it down. But when you think back to that, what are some of your most sort of transformative moments yourself in dealing with um, just the extraordinary involvement of these children in your life? Well, first, there's the understanding, Cindy. When I was 14, I had an opportunity that in a split second, it could have sent me to jail for my whole life if I would have made the wrong choice. Okay. And I've had kids now. I, I've lost some kids, Cindy. They're, they're, they are in prison because they didn't think enough during that split second of time. They did something stupid and impulsive when they were 15, 16, 17. And now they're, they're um, going to be in prison for a very long time. So I, I have an understanding of some of the struggle that these kids have to overcome. And the other thing is, and now um, it comes with my age and how many years I've been involved. I Like one of my kids, Jose, that went for Youth of the Year this year, his grandfathers were teens in my club in the 70s when I was just getting started. Wow. So I, those two young then young men, now grandfathers grow up. I know their fathers and I know now I'm dealing with their sons. And so that gives me a very unique perspective because I can see the great value. And sometimes it's not like I, I've had kids like CJ Manning that are um, commercial real estate folks. He wrote his life story when he was 20 years old. He's had that great um, mentor and, 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 um, surrogate father and Billy Thompson, who's in the ring of fame. The, that's very impactful to be able to see the fruits of the labor that we do every day. And, um, I guess I, I sat down with one of our vol great volunteers, Matt Beck. He's volunteered for about a dozen years and he, he's in his job. He bought this big, worldwide electrical supply company and he made four trips to israel one spring and made a 16 million dollar sale and i didn't know that until i sat down and i said you know matt i said people don't stick around enough to get the real payday in boys and girls club i said the folks that do and i have several here with miss ford and miss shante they get to see these tremendous changes that kids do and the impact that they have. And he goes, Rich, the day I made that $16 million sale, I got a note back from a club mom and I gave her son a recommendation and he got his first job up at camp. Because I'm in the airport, I'm reading this note email from a mom and I'm just blubbering and crying and people are 
concerned about me while I'm in the airport. And I wasn't crying because I just made $160,000 on this one big sale on my new company. I was crying because the, the letter that I got from that mom and explaining the impact that I've had on her child over the last six or seven years. I mean, that, that was the first time anybody really put a price tag on the um, impact we might have. But um, there's just story after story of kids that some went to college and got master's degrees and have wrote books like Tiandra Conley, CJ Manning, Josh Ford. But then there's others that just, um, like one of my young ladies was homeless 18 times before she became youth of the year. Well, she has two degrees. She, had, she married another young man from the club who's a, a good plumber. They've got children and they're just doing great things. And it's just story after story. And I have alumni coming in every day to introduce me to their children, to their new babies, to let me know they're doing great. And so I get paid every day and it really doesn't matter how much I take home, you know, as a paycheck, but that, that great feedback from our, um, from our alumni and kids that have been involved in the club, you, you just can't put a price tag on it. Well, the things that you've just said, I think probably more than, than anything underscore what's really important, right? I mean, I think when you share that story about Matt and sitting in the airport and here he's just sort of by, I guess, conventional definition, if you will, successfully had an amazing quote unquote payday in his corporate life and that that paled in comparison to impacting a young person's life the way he had. I don't know that you can I don't know that you can underscore an example as, as good as that one uh, that that speaks to what what you and your team and the spirit of the work you are doing, um, what you're doing every day. Which I know there are some tough days. I mean. You and I have lived through some of them together. I've heard you talk about some of them. And I guess my other question is we're talking about the successes and there are so many. Um, but one of the things that was hardest for me and you helped me through this, but I think my first probably couple weeks or so spending some pretty significant time at the club when we first opened our doors. And I really had a tough time sometimes leaving behind at the end of the day to go back to my little bubble of a world, um, some of the kids who I knew were really struggling and what, and worried about what they might be facing, you know, in their daily journey. And how do you manage that in your heart? Mm, well, first of all, I have an understanding that um, still kids and families and parents make their own choices. So I'm, I'm not their father. I'm not solely responsible for every decision that they make. All I can do is give them that opportunity and let them know they are exceptional and you do have some power and influence over your own surroundings. And so like um, last week, a young man comes in and um, one of his last interactions, he was on a team with, and you know, these guys, Jaden and Josiah. Yes. And they, they had the, in a tournament on a Friday night, they had this team down. 
that had been undefeated and was, and they had them down by 10 points until the last quarter. And then they started acting foolish. And I sat on their bench with them and they will, they will tell you, they'll never forget this. It was a double elimination tournament. They were acting real foolish. They got technicals. And I said, look, you guys keep saying what you're saying, acting how you're going to act. You're not going to get the opportunity to keep playing in this tournament. They ended up losing the game and just went off and acted a fool afterwards while they're going out to the bus. And they're going to go back to the boys and girls club because they were playing at the Wilfie club. And I'm sure they thought, Oh, well, Rich will forget about it. And we'll be able to come back tomorrow and win tournament and all that. Well, little did they know. I just called my partner, Miss Ford and said, look, when those fellas get back, they did not earn the opportunity to come back and play in the tournament tomorrow. They did not earn the opportunity to represent this boys and girls club and all the exceptional young folks in it. So when they come back and they turn their uniforms in to get washed, tell them they can sleep in because they are out of this tournament. And they're like, what, what? They were so surprised. And you know, Miss Ford just tells it as a matter of fact way. They, they were out of the tournament. Those boys still reference that moment. Well, you know, Rich, you know how we're supposed to behave. And even the next week, because I kicked them all out for a week, when they came back, they're like, we know, Rich, we, we, we already know, we know why we didn't get to play. Well, last week, one of those young men came in and he's an alumni now and he's 22 years old. He works, he goes, Rich, you know what? Our family went through some struggles. And that's why I work for Bruce Randolph School right now, the school that I graduated from. And I'm, I speak to them about some of the choices they make every day. And I help some of the teachers. He goes, but I've been driving by this family over by the interstate about three blocks from the club. And they are living. I stopped and talked to him, Rich. And he was, and he goes, and there's four kids in that, living in that truck. He goes, they need some jackets. So what do we do? We grab some uh, some lost and found jackets, takes them over, takes them over a $200 Visa um, gift card so they can buy gas and food and told them to come this week to sign up at the Boys and Girls Club. He drives by them every day. This was a knucklehead on that team. Someone had to kick out of the club, but he came down to see us, wanted to let us know that he still loved us. He brought his um, brand new baby um son to the club and he this this is what you always hope for our kids Cindy is that when they see someone in need they want to help them so he stopped he talked to them gave them what they need and they're supposed to come over this week to sign up so if they have other needs we can help that family you can't pay people to care but you can show them the path and this young man um had a rocky road, but we've never given up on him. We still believe he's exceptional and he's becoming a good young father, a working man, and also someone that's um, looking out for other people in need in the community. What, what kind of price tag can you put on that? I don't think yeah. there, I don't think there is one. Mm -mm. Rich, I, well, you are so, effective in so many ways with dealing with these young kids. But one of the things I've, I've known for many years is 
your commitment to helping them evolve in their own personal accountability. And the the example you just shared is sort of the the crowning stone on that. Um, I've I've watched you work with kids and develop their own sense of personal accountability, which honestly, between you and me in this conversation, I think our world just needs more individuals who feel personally accountable for the way they act, for what they put into the world, for how they treat people every day. And I love that the club is a breeding ground because of your leadership and what you bring to them to really evolve that sense of one's personal accountability in their individual role in this world. And I just, I actually wish we could just replicate your template for that. Switching gears a little bit here because I'm always reminded as you're talking about the details, the specifics, how well you know these kids in that Montbello community and how well you've known all the kids you've worked with all over the country at the clubs. I'm always reminded of you drive from Georgetown to Montbello every day, Rich, to make this happen every day. So I am just, I want to go back to like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, and you're, you're facing some tough things as we've just talked about with these young people and you drive every day from Georgetown to Montbello. What gets you out of bed in the morning to do this day in and day out? Um, it's a mission. It's never been a job. So when you look at things like that, um, I'm, I'm waking up in the morning before it's, before the sun's up thinking about Ooh, ooh, I get to do this great thing with these kids today. I was so pumped up this morning, driving in, saying, oh, we got these three field trips, these great opportunities. My staff has this opportunity to really connect, create first-time experiences, whether it be seeing dinosaur bones. Someone yesterday from a field trip had to show me from Fossil Ridge the um, shark tooth. These are opportunities they don't get. And when you have an opportunity to get connect kids with their passion. That's, that's their interest. Then, and then connect it with what they need. And then you get to be the person to help them get what they need. You're forever connected with those young people. And I don't need a statue or my name on anything. I know that I'm connected with so many families over the 45 years I've been doing this. Um, I get, crazy phone calls from 30 somethings in Idaho that say, Rich, this is Brian. You remember me, you and your brother? I said, yeah, Brian, you used to stack wood with us. You used to um, help us out when we ever needed. And he goes, Rich, I'm a bad, a good dad today and much better than my dad because what you and George taught me. And he goes, I'm a bus driver. I'm a sheet rocker. I make a good living. I have my own house and I have three kids and I'm a good dad because of you. I mean, how can you not wanna go do whatever you need to do to be able to have that kind of impact on people? I just, uh, other folks have that opportunity, that, but um, I, I'll go anywhere in the world. If, it, if I can have that kind of impact on a family, that's generational, Cindy, you can't, you can put my name up in the ring of fame, but it still doesn't connect like that. You know what I'm saying? I do. 
And that's one of the things that makes you such an exceptional human being is that you you have the inner workings to think outside yourself, to live outside yourself. And I think, Rich, unfortunately, um, and I hear you when you say, how could you not capitalize on an opportunity if you see, if you see one um, to help someone else find their passion or to improve their lives or whatever that may be? And I think the reality, the harsh reality, is that we do have sort of a hybrid population out there where some of us just can't get out of our own heads or ways to to really extend to really lean in for the well-being of others and you're just a testament to that and um, I I love I'm thrilled to be able to, to hear you share your story today because I think it's a reminder for all of us right that we're just better together we're better when we're outside ourselves living for other people and Amen. you do that every day and it's really just it's extraordinary. I know that one day, and our world will not will not be the same when this happens, but one day you will make a, a choice, and I get this, and I respect it, <laughs> move outside of this, this work. And I guess a couple of things come to mind with that reality. One, what would you say to people coming into this work? How would you get them into this work? And what do you want your legacy at the clubs to be? Well, it's funny because um, our CEO took me to lunch last week, Erin Porteous, and she goes, now, how much longer? You, want, you have a job for life, whatever you want to do, Rich. And I said, um, well, what I do now is what get, I said, even that day, I was so excited because I was getting together with 30 boys and teaching them how to do a wood fire and cook um, food on a wood fire. And um, the girls were going to do a bunch of stuff with fruits that they'd never tried before. And and she was asking me some of these same questions. And I said, well, um, I said, the drop the mic moment would be if, say, the, the Bolin family or the Broncos decide to endow the club. And um, you know, that's always um, been a wish of mine that long after I'm gone, that the kids in this community always have their boys and girls club because then the doors are, are going to be open. There's not going to be barriers of money or um, and they'll always have an opportunity to um, do some really first time things and be able to have that. So that would be something to me, like a drop the mic moment, if that were to happen. Um, and I'm, and I'm positive if, if the Broncos choose not to do that, that they will be because of the impact we've had, there's opportunities to get the club funded in the future long after I'm gone. And then the next piece is Aaron asked me, she goes, well, who would you think would come in and be the director? I said, Oh, I don't know if you want me to, be the person to pick because I have um, myself, Miss Ford, Miss Shante. We have high standards for that person, and we're not going to let someone come in here and drop the ball. So um, I think I'm still looking for that that person. I think I've, that search has become very intentional this last year, um, and we'll see see what happens. But yeah, I, I would just like to have the doors open and not money not be a barrier um, to the kids in Montbello to always have their their place. 
and because I've left a few other organizations, the club in South Dakota, still in good hands with someone that used to work for me. My club in um, Fort Lauderdale, when I went back five years later, five of my kids were working full time in that club. Some of when Pueblo, that's changed quite a bit. Colorado Springs, that's changed quite a bit. And those, I still get calls from some of those places saying, hey, the club is not what it used to be. So I, I don't want that to happen to the Broncos club. I want the Broncos club taken care of well into the future. And to me, that would be a legacy. And then my name doesn't have to be on it because I always know I would have, you know, I for the rest of my days, I would have impact long after I'm gone in this, in this community, positive impact. I love everything you've said. Um, it, it's a hard reality for any of us who care about our work and what we're giving back to the world. It's hard to pass the torch, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very hard. And yeah. especially like right now, I'm 62 years old. Um, I guess I could qualify and retire at 65. Um, and I'm the oldest director by far. The closest is the guy that hired me. I think he's five years younger than me and he may be closer to retirement than I am <laughs> at our own club with Steve Martinez. But, um, but yeah, that, I'm afraid that one day physically I may not be able to maintain. And, and if my fire were to diminish at all, it wouldn't be fair to these kids. So I have to find that next person that can take the club to the next level. So I feel a personal responsibility to do that. I understand that. I, I understand that in my core of my soul. I completely get that. Rich, I like to sort of conclude these conversations on Venerable Voices with giving you an opportunity to share anything that's burning on your soul today. Just anything at all that you would like to put out in the world. Um, first of all, I have to thank you and the Denver Broncos football club and Mr. Bolin and the Bolin family, because I worked 27 years in this business before I was able to take this beautiful tool here and do what, what needs to be done here in Montbello with the Broncos boys and girls club. So first of all, I have to say thank you because even all the work that I did before, I've never had this kind of support and so many beautiful first time opportunities. And of course, um, the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Denver, John Aragoni, Steve Martinez, because they helped put me in this beautiful, wonderful situation where I don't feel like I'm working any day, um, regardless of the drive or how many hours or how many days a week. So I have to say thank you. And um, the other thing is, I just hope that um, that we're able to do this. Miss Ford, I love her to death. She's um, she says sometimes she tells people, "Yeah, it's like we're married because we're you're going to get the same message from me or from Rich." Miss um, Shante, they're my leadership team. They're from the community and help make this a beautiful and special place for kids. And they never. We don't lower expectations. We know these kids are exceptional. Our challenge is to find out what they're exceptional at. So we have to be firm, fair, and consistent. They have to earn what they get. And hopefully um, they continue to get these 
these same opportunities, regardless who, who runs the Bronco Boys and Girls Club. I want to thank Rich for stopping by Venerable Voices today. So great to catch up with him and to be reminded what energy he just brings to not only his career. Um, in fact, I don't even think he'd call it a career. He calls it a calling. But the energy he brings to his life, to those who are in it, the excitement he gets celebrating the milestones, the opportunities, the light bulbs going on for all the young people that he touches every day on his journey. It's just, it's energizing for me. It's inspirational. And I always want to thank you all for taking time to tune into Venerable Voices. I hope you feel as enriched and as inspired by these conversations as I feel bringing them to you. Till next time, whatever you do, be sure and make it count and be well.